0: We've been talking with Mrs. Stacy O'Keefe, a much-loved teacher at Livingston Christian Schools. So far, she's shared with us how she chose teaching as a profession and how it has impacted her life. Let's listen in as Pastor Maven and Miss Rachel Zelinski, aka Mrs. Z, continue their conversation with Mrs. Stacey O'Keefe. Z, I did a post yesterday on Facebook. I had an opportunity to um, have my pastor, Tim Christensen, from Bible Baptist Church come in and speak at chapel. And uh, we had a chance to go out and have breakfast afterwards. And so my post was like, I love this guy. He He's not perfect, and he would never claim to be perfect. Um, but he loves Jesus, loves his wife, loves his family, and he loves being a pastor. And then I ended it by saying, I'm bummed out if you don't have access to your pastor like this. And... There was a lot of people that responded. How important do you think it is to have, like, like Mrs. O'Keefe's talking about, like, she could just walk in and talk to her pastor. How, is, how important is it to have access to people like that, like your pastor who's really, for all intents and purposes, like, should be a mentor of yours, if nothing else. I mean, from the pulpit, you know, you're being mentored by the Word, but how important do you think that that is?
1: I, uh, I don't want to put words in Stacy's mouth here, but I, I would think that that first moment... At church that day, you maybe first, for the first time, experienced grace. And then it was fleshed out more as you got to know Pastor Ben. It seems to me like community and grace kind of go together. You can't experience that unless you're around people that can show you what that looks like. You might be able to feel it inside, like you did. That's Jesus. But then to make sense of it, it takes a community. And I would think a pastor hopefully, would be one of those people who would. So to answer your question, I think it's very important. And the bigger churches get, it's hard to have that connection right away. You kind of have to go through staff to mm-hmm. get up to the pastor. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: so the, I love that the church was small. You could walk right in, just like you walked right into Ted Nath's office during the school day and talked to him. Mm. Those people that are approachable seems very healthy and mm-hmm. needed.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
3: I was fortunate enough to, to to be encouraged to be discipled by some women who were older than myself um, by attending Bible studies and just I just decided early on I was just gonna to watch and learn as much as I could hmm. um, from these women and that that there's that's a priceless opportunity that we have as believers is to, you know, be discipled by, um, women or men that are older than us, Mm -hmm. um, who have experienced more of life, who've walked longer with Jesus. Absolutely. And, um, I was just so blessed to have women that were, um, you know, at every Tuesday morning Bible study Mm -hmm. when I was raising my kids and I could take my kids in for childcare for an hour and just, they would pour into me and mm. I could ask questions and um, I, I just felt like, you know, the more opportunities I took, the more, you know, I was blessed.
0: I think it's so interesting. I think we find ourselves in a society, and you too, feel free to correct me if you think that I'm wrong. I feel like we're in a society where people want to, like, chase youth at all costs, right? So... So, so people want to have all kinds of cosmetic surgeries done to make themselves look younger. They want to dress younger. They want to act younger. They want to talk younger, whatever that is. But I think by and large, and of course I'm talking in generalities, but by and large, that is absent in our society today, the idea that we can learn something. And what you spoke of, Miss okay, that's Titus 2. That's what Paul said. and mm-hmm. That's how we're to disciple. Do you guys think that that is... Am I off base on that, number one? Number two, do you think that we have a student body that does not appreciate perhaps what an older generation could offer to them in any number of facets? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking specifically, Miss O'Keefe, since we're talking about how this was part of your spiritual journey, do you feel like, do you get the sense rather that, that that's not significant to them right now?
1: I was thinking back to when you did that Bible study in your school and you had 25 people show up the first time. That wasn't a private school, right? No. So you have kids that are thirsty and hungry. You probably aren't hearing these things, so they do appreciate it. But that's one of the tricky parts about a private school is when you hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. You grew up with it, same thing. you weren't. It wasn't until you twenty 22 that it started to hit you that I think we do tend to not... Uh, appreciate what's being taught because we hear it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the teacher from Charlie Brown, right? Want want, want you mm-hmm. to gotta step away from it for a second. Maybe it'd be in an environment where you're not getting exposed to it. And then you go, oh, I missed that. Or I but I think that with that foundation, later on down the road, they can look back like you did, Stacy, and go, Oh, okay, that's what this was all about.
3: Yeah, I think it depends too on personality. Um I think we do we do have students here who do seek wise counsel. Mm. Mm-hmm. We do. Um and they they see the value. Uh but I think you're right Rachel in that um just just expressions from my own son who is now not here anymore. Um just really missing. Not realizing the community, sure, and coming in and having Ted Nast be your Bible teacher every morning, mm-hmm. and what seemed like, you know, I have to get up early and I have to go to Bible and I have to memorize Scripture and I have to, re- you know, study his notes and mm-hmm. take his tests. Uh, I think you're right that it does really heighten that sense when you don't have it anymore mm. that you do need. Um, wise counsel and that we all, we all need it. Yeah. And because we get it, we're able to provide it. it you know, it's just a cycle.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just talked with a pastor last night who's really frustrated. Um, the church that they minister at, they still are not in person. They're, they're forced to do their time with zoom and he's kind of a OCD guy. So he like, he looks at the analytics on YouTube and when he was given a 20 minute talk, Like he could tell when people would fall off, like literally when they would turn it off. So he's in like a five to 10 minute window now of his talk that he does online. And he was just talking about how he feels like he's not sure that he's able to convey a significant truth literally in 10 minutes a week. So I'm kind of just looking at him listening and he goes, what? And I go, I don't really have a connection with that. I said, I teach at a Christian school. I have two Bible classes, which you, you parse it out. That's like, I have like 15 hours a week that I can talk about God with these students. 15 hours a week. I said, do you know what that is over over a year? He goes, what that is over a year, that's more than 20 years of youth ministry. And, like, that blew me away to hear those stats, you know, like that. So to hear you say that Flynn is missing, you know, that community. Missy, last time we were talking to Riley and Emma, graduates of of LCS, and they time and time and time again went back to that community. And one of my current students is talking about environment and how they are really encouraged by the current environment here, and they're a little bit concerned what's going to happen when they graduate this year because we've been talking about how are you going to continue to solidify the foundation of your faith? And the student was talking about, and that was their words, not mine. I'm worried about, I'm worried about coming out from underneath the environment that I currently have here, which is fascinating. And I think goes to the, it goes to what you guys were saying. Like we have a pretty mature, at least high school student body here when they want to be like, I think some of them can kind of turn it on and off when they want to be. But, um, yeah, I I love to hear you talk about how um, having other people have influence on your life. What are some other things that you've done over the years to continue to develop that um, spiritual maturity?
3: Um, I think just uh, making strong relationships with other women my age who are in my same life um, circumstances yeah just raising children and just being close with um, girlfriends who you know we support each other we share life together our kids are friends Um, some attend the same school some don't but um, just always staying close with other believers studying the word together praying together Um, and now we have these great opportunities we house party together because not all of us live in the same state anymore and um, you know just making um, time for girls trips uh, where we reconnect and I just think that um, you know in order to uh, have a life that is full of joy in following Jesus Christ you need to share it with other people
0: and what's that called
3: community. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I, I, it, it gives me a brain cramp to think that people can be involved in this thing called Christianity and not cultivate these relationships. And you know who's the worst at that? Men. We are the worst at that. For whatever reason, societally, we have ingrained into us that vulnerability is weakness. And that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, during these times where you get together with these, with these gals, like there's vulnerability there. And then with vulnerability comes accountability and with accountability comes growth. And then it's this amazing cycle, you know, that, that you have going on there. How was transitioning from public school system and then you had, you had time off because you were parenting, which is an education in all of itself. <laughs> how was, how was coming to Livingston Christian, and now being able to implement some of these things that you have over the past 15 or so years, you know, been developing, you're having developed in you, you started this relationship with Christ, getting to know him, going deeper in your faith, that's become quite important. I would say it's coming up on passion worthy for you. How is it different to be able to be in an environment where you can now apply those things to your art craft of teaching?
3: Well, I'm embarrassed to say that when I first, my first day of school here, uh, my very first class was an eighth grade uh, history class. And I had labored over my syllabus and my rules and my um, consequences for breaking rules because in the school that i had taught at previously that was the number one important thing if you could not have classroom control you you were nowhere it was like if they smelled blood when you walked in sure. you were done <laughs> um, so you're I'm talking, talking the teachers. they is
0: is the they the students is yes. that what you're, okay
3: i mean at, there were teachers that were tied up teachers that were locked out of their rooms teachers that were you know just you name it, it happened. Um, so I came Just in. Just for
0: clarification, has, has that happened to either of you at Livingston Christian so far?
1: I've been locked out of my room.
0: Yeah, but that's because you forgot your keys, not because your students locked
1: you oh, out. Oh, no, right? they locked me out. <laughs>
0: <sighs> I'm guessing middle schoolers.
1: They only did it once, though. They only did it once? Oh, no, yeah, I don't know what that happened again.
0: No tied, you haven't been tied up or anything like that here? <laughs> no, nothing
1: like
3: that. No, <sighs> so I hit that class hard that day with consequences for disrespect and poor choice of language and all the consequences that would take place all the reasons they would be sent to the office all of the reasons they would be kicked out and I I kind of looked around like okay there's no phone in here for security
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, and there was no there was no uh, metal detector on the way in so um, I, I joke because their faces, I remember, you know, giving my spiel and those eighth grade boys, it was all boys, eighth grade class. And they looked at me like, this woman is insane. (laughs) What is she talking about? And by the afternoon, I was like, oh my, I'm in a, I'm in a foreign place. Wow. I did not understand where I was. Um, But there's no greater privilege than to be, in a school where you don't have to deal with those things, of course, kids are kids and they, you know, they have make they make mistakes and they have, um, you know, personality traits like I do that can become annoying. And, um, but just, you know, to be in a school where the common goal is to grow educationally and spiritually together and to not have the discipline issues, the, um, it's just amazing. And so transitioning here, it just was like, wow, I'm going to get to teach so much because I won't be stopping every two minutes to call security or, um, you know, correct a student or wonder why half of my class is never here. That was another issue. So wow. um, it was a great transition.
0: So that leads me to my next question. Educationally speaking, just educationally speaking, not spiritually, but educationally speaking how are the two environments different?
3: Well, they couldn't be more different. Um, I think that, you know, when you're following state curriculum for ninth grade English or 10th grade English, and you, you just doing your best to, to make sure that you cover all the curriculum um, here, it's possible Mm -hmm. where I was, it was not possible. Um,
0: Due to some of the factors that you just, just were talking about. Just due
3: to, you know, classroom management issues. Mm-hmm. And um, every day on the first day of school there, I would have 45 to 50 kids in my class. Because even though there were only 30 chairs, we knew that by day three, I would only have about 25, 26 students. Because they would just drop out. That fast? Yeah. Wow. Um. But then on fourth Friday count. Yeah, everybody shows back yeah, up. Yeah the school would make a way to pick up all the students at their homes, give them donuts and pizza, and bring them in. So
0: for those who may not know what Fourth Friday count is, can you tell us?
3: Yeah, that's the day that um, the state of Michigan counts students and um, decides how many students are in each school and then appropriates tax dollars for Mm -hmm. that student.
0: Mm -hmm. So this may be... This may be a silly question based on what you've just said, but how how are you able to interact with students differently here than than in some of your previous Well,
3: one of the schools. great things about teaching at LCS is you have the opportunity to teach the same students year after year. Mm. Um, if you have them for, you know, ninth grade English and then you have them for tenth grade English and then you have them for eleventh grade leadership and twelfth grade leadership, you get to see their growth, their maturity. Um, you get to see their struggles and their, uh, what they what their hearts are. Mm. And as an adult, being able to, you know, see that happening, it brings out a lot of private conversations mm. and classroom conversations because kids, I think over time, you know, begin to trust you because, you know, they've known you for a long time or you, um, you know, you... You've shown that you are trustworthy. Um, so we're not just in one year and then gone. They're gone the next year. And so mm-hmm. just the, the opportunity to, to have kids long-term is so great um, just for building student-teacher relationships and also um, just guiding them as they are growing in their own faith and getting ready to go out.
0: So, Missy, e, we... Um, <clears throat> This issue came up in our in our last episode where we were talking with the girls, and they said a comment that was was very interesting, and this was the comment, and it was about you, Mrs. O'Keefe. They said Mrs. O'Keefe always said, and do you remember what she they she was talking about? They were talking about senioritis, and they said Mrs. O'Keefe always says that she expects us to have senioritis this this time of year and you offered some clarification on that.
1: Uh, yeah, that she she wants their her kids to be so well prepared that by the time this part of the year rolls around, they're ready to spread their wings and fly. They mm-hmm. don't need to be held back or stay in the safe zone. They're ready to go out.
0: But it was cool to it was cool to hear the girls say that. It was fantastic to have you clarify that. But that that phrase, Mrs. O'Keefe always said hmm. so and, and this is to your point, Mrs. O'Keefe, where you have these students year after year after year after year so that they can hear us say stuff time and time and time and time. I mean, you're a mom of boys. Like repetitive instructions are necessary. <laughs> for for any type of success right so i mean i think sometimes we instruct like that too It's just repetitive 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 but if they're hearing like super positive messages like that then you get to you get to the goal line senior year and they can say this and then these gals were over the goal line like they're in overtime now because they're freshmen in college and they still are remembering this stuff because I think of what you just said. So that's a powerful thing to have students uh, over and over and over again. How are you able to interact differently with students here than you were?
3: Uh, it's just so personal here. Even though I could hold a Bible study in my room at lunchtime um, in Lansing, you know, here our whole day is about sifting scripture and, and education, and um, especially in the leadership classes, you know, we're talking about living out the great commission Mm. and kids get very deep in what they believe, um, what, what they're afraid of, Mm. what they fear, um, what they think they can do and what they think they can't do. And, um, so it's just 60 minutes of, you know, three days a week with those kids really just encouraging them and, And just kind of like what those women did for me early in my, you know, walk with, with the Lord, just being there to say, you can do anything. Mm. You know, God is never going to leave you or forsake you no matter what you try, whether you fail or succeed at it. It's okay. He's there. Yeah. And I think at this age, you know, junior and senior year, one of the biggest fears is failure. What if I fail? Mm. And, um, you know, I still see a world full of adults who are still fearing failure. Mm. Um, but the truth is it's not until we let that go and realize that failure is just another opportunity to learn mm-hmm. and change. Um, obviously it's taken, it took me a long time to learn that too, but I think when you fail enough times, yep. um, and you realize nothing really bad happened. You know, my maybe I my life circumstances may have changed a little bit. Um, maybe my relationships changed a little bit, but um, you just get back up and you, you just move forward. And I think when you get to spend enough time, like we do with students here, um, I'm I'm I hope and I pray that they understand that when they leave, that it's not just about success.
0: Yeah. Missy, you had a conversation with a student just before we started recording and they came in and thanked you for, and this was their quote, showing me grace. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was a cool interaction that you had with that student. And so the, the interaction had to do with, I think maybe your intentions of showing grace and like, what was, what was your intention? What was the outcome? And I want to kind of tie that into what Mrs. O'Keefe just said.
1: Yeah, there was an assignment a couple of days ago and he hadn't done very well on it, but he uh, he knew that and he was honest about it. And he had asked, is there some way that I can, you know, fix this? And uh, today's lesson with the students was about what kind of lies do you feed yourself? I can't do this. I'm not good enough. This is too hard. This is stupid. You hear that under the breath a lot. Mm -hmm. And we talked about how those are self-sabotaging phrases and you will live into that if that's what you train your brain to think Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure that this particular student was necessarily thinking that way uh but in the interaction we had had via email a couple of days ago I could sense this frustration with both himself and the assignment and so after today's conversation uh they had an opportunity to change that grade after we had done a little activity that trained the brain to think positively and appropriately and truthfully. And so after that, a good conversation followed. And it always blesses me when a student can come back and say, thank you. I see it. The light bulbs went on. And so to me, that is an element of grace. But I, I, I also felt like I got the grace as well. Oh, the kid mm-hmm. could see, OK, this is what you're trying to teach me. And that just yeah means so much.
0: What struck me about that conversation was, and I don't have that student, I know that student, I don't have that student, but that student was, like, so sincere.
1: Yes, he was. And
0: it caught my attention. I had spun around. I'm like, I, I had to see if he was laughing. Like, is this a joke? But they were they were quite serious. So that, that brings me to this, and I think that both of you ladies develop this in your classroom, and I certainly strive to, and that is to develop a level of trust with our students, and Mrs. O'Keefe, was it is it easier to develop that trust here because you have the the spiritual element of you know we've talked about grace several times here today. You can introduce your own biblically held views. Is it is it easier to have those resources to? lend itself into creating that environment of trust versus perhaps other environments that you've been in.
3: I believe so because I think um, when I, when I taught in a public school, again, it's all about curriculum and getting through the day and um, and here there's just so much sharing. It's not just, you know, we're not just reading a lather and nothing else into the 10th grade lit book. Uh, we're talking about the internal conflict of the character, mm. which leads us to talk about our own internal conflicts. Mm. What are we feeling conflicted about? Mm. And, um, you know, those lead to long discussions sometimes that I would not normally have the opportunity to have in a different um, environment. And, you know, when I say that this environment lends to, you know, students being encouraged and, and being um, shepherded. Uh, what I have learned over the years is they do a lot of the encouraging and shepherding of their teachers.
0: Which is exactly yes. what Mrs. Z e was just is saying.
1: Just so amazing.
3: true. Amazing. Um,
0: it kind of ticks me off sometimes because they'll say stuff and then I cannot stop thinking about it, like after school, into the night. And I'm like, what? Like, it just kind of blows me away sometimes.
3: And just the notes that get left and the things. I mean.
0: I had a student bring me over a Christmas card, brought it to my house during COVID this year. And it was, it's a keeper. Like it's a, it's one of those lifelong treasures. And it was, it was very simple. They made it themselves, but it was like so meaningful. And <clears throat> it started with a thank you. It started with a thank you. And I maybe had a sentence, maybe, but I was like, oh my gosh, like, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that about, and we get, I love, that's our job. Like, we come here. Now, we're not Pollyanna We don't all have rose colored glasses on. We, <laughs> we certainly have those students that challenge us, Absolutely. you know, we have those students that maybe, you know, are, thinking about how they could get rid of us in various ways or whatever but but there is i think by and large a, a huge number of students that you know because of this environment of trust that we've built based on an outpouring of our relationship with Christ and our desire for them to grow in their relationship and maybe at times we're introducing that relationship to them um, but again, going back to what you said Misss where we have this opportunity to see them year after year after year after year to see that growth is amazing that yeah. is amazing and a
3: lot of that comes from their parents modeling too they they learn from their parents how to encourage and care for people and uh, I'm so appreciative of the families um, that we have here and the parenting that makes our jobs so much easier mm. Because they come from a foundation of parenting and a um, faith at home. Yeah. And that's why we always talk about that. You know, chord of 3 mm-hmm. um, The school, uh, the family, and the Lord. There's just no better, there's no better team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you talk about modeling. Man, we, you just are like the Segway queen today. This is fantastic. So you've obviously had some health issues, maybe it's not obvious to some people, but it's obvious to us who call you friend. You've obviously had some health issues over the past decade or so and and some of these have manifested again. Um, how has how has this and what has manifested was you had a rediagnosis of cancer? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want you to talk about that just for a second, but as you as you kind of weave that discussion in, how has this affected you? As a person, we started off with the question, "Who is Stacey O'Keefe?" And I love that you hit all of these. You hit all of these titles. You hit wife. You hit mom. You hit daughter. You hit friend. You hit teacher. Um, so, how how has this affected you as a person, and how you fill all of those roles?
3: Well, I think my first diagnosis was, you know, m- sort of shock because uh, I was, uh, you know, 44 years old, was um, not expecting to have a serious illness at that stage of my life. And my kids were younger, um, you know, eighth grade and sixth grade. And you're sort of just in a, in a s- phase of life where you're rolling, you know, you're rolling through uh, sports and school and you're, you're still assisting with homework um, at least holding, you know, kids accountable to those things and teaching, and it, w- it just kind of came to a halt. Mm. Um, because uh, you know, my diagnosis was pretty serious at that time, and I remember a doctor telling me, "This is going to take about a year, uh, you know, to treat this." And I was like, "I have like a couple weeks." <laughs> I didn't say that, but I thought right. that. I was like, a year? This does not fit into my plan. What are you talking about? So, um, but quickly you get, um, and, and when you have no medical background, you right. have no idea what they're even talking about. Um, that's an odd place to be because, you know, decisions need to be made sometimes quickly. And, um, you know, we just, you know, Ryan and I just immediately knew that the only way we would get through that is to just rely 100% on the Lord. Mm. That he would lead us and guide us through the rough times, and um, and he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did spend a year, almost a whole school year away from school, um, just being treated with heavy chemotherapy and surgery and radiation. Um, but I walked out of that, that cancer center on that last day, and I remember it so clearly because... Um, Mrs. Styles was with me for that last appointment, and, and I did one of those, you know, Toyota jumps yeah. outside <laughs> the cancer center, and with your pom poms, yeah. <laughs> 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 and, um, you know, so we made that slow mo video, and uh, and I said I'm never coming back, you know, and I I made I stamped that on my life, and I walked away, and and for. You know, five years, I did walk away. I mean, I had my appointments, but sure, um, they were all, they always went very well until this year. I had some issues over the summer that seemed like something very um, simple, and um, I believe that God, uh, sort of orchestrated that so that I would go to the doctor because um, I had been to my cancer appointment in I think it was like May. And it was my graduation. They like ring the bell, five years cancer free. You don't have to come back for any more appointments.
0: Right. Huge milestone.
3: Yeah. Huge. And, um, but I had some, just some things over the summer that were not quite right. So I, I went in and, um, that led to, you know, a diagnosis that my cancer had returned Mm. and, um, they call it a metastatic cancer because it has spread to other areas my original diagnosis was a breast cancer and this was a metastatic cancer because it had spread to, you know, one of my lungs and, um, my abdomen area and pancreas. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't as, I guess, didn't have the same reaction this time. It was like, okay. I just remember saying, okay, God, because very few times in my life, he has spoken to me audibly and, One of the times was right before I went into the surgery um, where they were going to find out whether this was, you know, a cancer. I was alone for about 15 minutes. And so I just put my headphones in and I was listening to just some instrumental worship music. And um, my doctor came in and said, you know, I'm pretty sure what the outcome is going to be here. So, but we'll know when you wake up. We'll know some preliminary And when she left and I was alone, um, God audibly spoke to me in my ears. And he said, you are well. And I thought, okay, I'm well. She says, this doctor says, I'm not well. Mm -hmm. Um, But if God says I'm well, I'm well. And so Ryan was able to come in. And right before I went to surgery, and I and I, I told him, I said, this is what, what God said to me. And his first reaction, if you know my husband, you'll understand this. He said, have they given you anything? <laughs> <laughs> have, they, have they given you any medication yet to kind of calm your nerves? Or have they... Started the whole (laughs) anesthesia process. (laughs) And I said, no, I have had nothing, no, no drugs. And uh, he said, okay, then you're well. And so it was okay when I woke up and he was there and the doctor was there to say, you know, it's, it's what we expected. Mm -hmm. Um, We had that encouragement that came right back uh, that I, that I was well. And even though that's an oxymoron, um, you know, I know who's right Mm -hmm. in that situation. Mm -hmm.
0: Having experienced this in some ways uh, with my wife uh, and cancer, this next question, this next question intrigued me. Um, And the question is, are you angry that you had cancer? And are you angry that you had it a second time?
3: I can say... With absolute certainty, no. Um, You know, a a lot of things go through your human mind. Like, why is this happening? Or why does it have to happen now? Um, But my original thought was, and people said that to me. They would say, this isn't fair. And I would say, why? You know, why is it not fair? Why not me? Because... I'm just—I'm a human being. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that has disease. Mm-hmm. And do I want to have cancer? No. But I was never angry at God.
0: Mm. So how are—how do you personally navigate this? Okay, so you're—you're you're times two now. I've had cancer, times two. How do you navigate that? Is—are there certain things that are important to you? Is prayer important to you? Is Scripture important to you? Is our friends important to you? Solitude. Maybe like to break things. Like, what's important to you? All that stuff. All that stuff.
3: Um, I think most importantly is not allowing myself to define myself as a cancer patient. Mm. Um, that's how you are defined in a hospital. And it's all about, you know, your cancer and your treatment. And that is not who I am. And I know that if I allow myself to think that then I can I can continue to be a cancer patient I don't know if that makes sense
0: it does actually because we've we've had conversations about this Missy and how I'm going to ask you on two different levels personally and then how you how you challenge your students with this how do how do you not let circumstances define you because that's what you're talking about Ms. O'Keefe, that you're not allowing the circumstances of ca- cancer to define you, and Miss Z, like you, I so appreciate this about you because you you keep bringing stuff back around to grace. How how do you not let circumstances define you? Let's start with there, and then how do you convey that to your students? How do you challenge them with that?
1: Well, if I can, if I think of circumstances as like a being. I know that that being is not bigger than my God. So if I can mentally picture that in my head, that God is higher than the circumstances, I don't know why that visual helps me, but I'm able to rest easy. And nothing that comes to us doesn't first go through the hands of God. Hmm. Uh, and we've talked about this before too, but you know the ridiculous cliche of the Lord doesn't give us more than we can handle. Hmm. Once I could... Once I've realized that's totally false, then I could go back to that image again. This is more than I can handle, but it's not a being that's stronger than God. Obviously, He's the one that's coming under me to hold me, and this is for my good. All things work together for the good of those who love Him. Mm -hmm. And that it might be so trite and insensitive to say even cancer can do that, but why would something be left out? Even that would be.
0: That happened to be, Pastor Tim spoke on that, Tim Christensen spoke on that. In chapel yesterday, and he's going to oh, speak wow. on it tomorrow too. Romans eight twenty eight, and he boils it down to six words right in the middle of that verse: all things work together for good,
3: mm-hmm. and for those yeah. who love him.
0: And then he throws that in at the end, mm. uh, and it's huge. It is that is huge. So, Missy, how do you convey that? And Miss Hokie, you be thinking because you're coming next. How do you convey that to your students?
1: I don't try. That's the funny thing. Hard circumstances will happen during the course of a school year. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to bring up past things to the kids and say, this is what happened to me and here's how I dealt with it. Mm -hmm. It's just happening in real time. And the kids watch. Well, she says these things. God Mm -hmm. is higher than her circumstances. Let's see how this plays out. But again, it's not when I'm trying. If I'm trying to be like, I'm going to use this to show my kids, I usually Mm -hmm. botch it all up and it doesn't work.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But it'll be like, Two weeks of something really difficult, the kids kind of find out about it, and then down the road they come back and say, I'm amazed how you handled this situation or that situation. And I go, that is not me, because that's not how I felt (laughs) in those two weeks. I was ticked, or I was in pain or angry or hurt. Mm -hmm. But that just confirms to me that the Lord is in me working. It has nothing to do with me, and if that's not a sign of grace, I don't know what Mm. So I don't know if that really answers the question, I, I but think it does. I don't think it's me trying.
0: Well, I think it goes back to what, what you both have talked about. And that is we have the opportunity to model this stuff Yes. and it we're modeling out of a reality of our lives. So this isn't, this isn't something that we just teach because that's what the book says that you have to teach. So I think, you know, you, you just said, well, that wasn't me. So I think some of my most powerful lessons are to my students telling them how I was a screw up, you know, and even present tense I'm screwing up, you know, don't do this. This is what's happening to me right now. Don't do this. Um, And that, you know, there's so many things that are intertwined here, but that goes back to that trust that we've developed inside of those classrooms and with that trust it just affords us unique opportunities so mrs o'keefe i'm going to change your question up a little bit now I me think about it how how has this changed how you interact with students the fact that you've had this diagnosis times two the fact that you're leaning heavily into some of the things that we talked about you said all of those things prayer scripture friends um you know solitude breaking things you've leaned you've leaned into all those things but how has this changed how you interact with students and teaching them
3: I think it just as God refines me I just I've gotten to a point in my life where it's just I'm not going to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm never I'm not going to put a face on something that isn't real. Hmm. And I know it's cliché to say just be real, you know. Um but because I I have relationships with my students and You know, um, I'm just honest, you know, when I come back and I've been out for six weeks because, you know, I'm recovering from a surgery, finding new treatment. Um, I just tell them, yeah, yeah, I'm, I was shocked. I told you I was leaving for two days and I've been gone for six weeks. I was in shock. I was, um, just floored that this cancer had returned, but God was never surprised. Mm -hmm. And so Um, Yeah, it takes you a second to get your footing when you get knocked down by uh, the words of a doctor or the words of a boss or the words of whatever situation. Um, It takes you a minute to get your footing, but if if you know that you know that you know that your Lord has taken care of you, you know He's going to do it again, and no matter what the decision is, no matter what the circumstances come. It's okay. And so I I think that, um, you know, when you're 17 or you're 18 or you're 15 and you're dealing with circumstances, um, my prayer is that they'll just remember one little tiny bit of that, that Mm. I might be surprised, but God is never surprised. He's always prepared to get us through, to carry us through. We just need to be willing to lay down. Mm. because there's no might, there's no decision, there's no, you can't just, you know, pull up your boots and get going. You have to surrender. There are just things in life you have to surrender completely, and and I'm thankful that God has had me there several times in my life. Yeah.
0: So, Missy, she just put a string of words together that, like, it's going to click for you as soon as I lay this out for you. She said, do you know what you know what you know? And we've talked about this the last three episodes now. And it just is coming up. What what are, what are you thinking of when you hear those words together?
1: Well, when I heard that, I kept thinking of the phrase, do you believe that what you believe is really real?
0: That's it. And where did you learn that?
1: I learned that from Mr. Nass's apologetics yeah. class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. plastered he, on that wall. Yeah, really hung up on that wall. That's right.
0: I didn't even have that class, and I know that, because we keep hearing that. Yep. And this is a reality of what we need to be equipping our students for, because Mrs. O'Keefe, a cancer diagnosis times two, that is a huge reality. Like it's not, you use the word might, it's not might. You have it. You have it. Look here on this MRI. Look here in this blood test. It is there. So that is a, that statement came up in an apologetics class, but this is solidifying your truth this cancer, how you're responding to it, how your husband responds to it. That is part of having your faith solidified, which is do you know why you believe what you believe? Mm -hmm. So having said that, um, do you talk about the realities of life and sickness with your, with your own family with this diagnosis or diagnoses times two?
3: Yeah. I mean, it's been different. Um, In both situations, my kids were younger before and there was a lot of fear um, and confusion Mm. because, you know, an eighth grader and a sixth grader don't even really know what cancer is. They just know of people that have had it. Um, And so there was just a lot of, um, you know, just educating about what cancer is and encouraging them through. Um, people that we knew and loved that have been, w- that had walked that walk of life. And um, just continuing to reaffirm that God is in control of all things, not just the little things that are hard and not just the mountaintops that are awesome, but all things. And uh, that was a hard year. Um, it, it's sometimes painful for me to look back because I, s- I see that both of my sons suffered. Um, And you never want your kids to suffer. Hmm. But um, when I look at it from God's perspective, it's been in my suffering that I have grown. Hmm. And I know that my sons grew even through their suffering. Um, And there were, there was so much encouragement just from being able to send them to school, knowing that their teachers knew the situation, Uh understood some of the feelings and struggles that they were having and to be able to walk alongside them. And other students who had parents um, that had walked the same road that we were walking and just kind of walked alongside my kids, that was a blessing that I know I would have not gotten anywhere else. Yeah. Um, this time, it, it was a shock again uh, for them. But... Um,
0: Duh, you did your Toyota jump, it can't happen again.
3: No, right. And uh but to hear your son say um after some really hard discussions and some you know, just some tough days, to have him say, I finally feel like no matter what happens, everything's gonna be okay. Wow. Um to me at that point it's like just drop the mic because I don't even care what happens. Right. At this point, if my son knows what he knows, what he knows, because God has shown him, then um, that's all I really care about is is that my sons uh, understand who Christ is, that they desire to follow him, that they understand grace, that they understand that no matter what, he's there.
0: You know, we give instructions for assignments, and we have any number of criterion in a rubric that we're going to grade these assignments with and what our expectations are. And you put that into a broad scope of maybe within a particular class or a particular year or a particular set of years, and we do this in tandem with each other as teachers to prepare them for graduation. But this is even beyond graduation, you know. Like, this is life, and to hear your son respond like that, like, he's not even my kid, and I'm welled up with pride right now, because I know that there are all these markers all along the way, and you said teachers, they're teachers, but they were also your friends, Mm -hmm you know, that we're having influence on your sons and helping to guide them through, you know, this whole thing. But to come out on the other side and to have a son say something like that, wow, like, wow. You know, you say mic drop, like that is, that is a mic drop. You know, and as a parent, um, that's what we strive for. That's what we invest in for private Christian education, is to prepare them and equip them so that when circumstances like this come they can offer these types of answers you know and it's not unique it's not untethered from the church it's not untethered from god all of these things come together to you know help resource these students so that they will be successful and like we could we could redefine success whatever that is but you know what success is anymore it's not failing that's what success is. It's not failing. And then there can be different levels of success after that because I'm so tired of people failing. Like, not in our classes, but I'm, I'm tired of hearing, you know, students that were former students and they're just being knuckleheads. I'm tired of hearing that. But you hear stuff like this where your son said, it's okay. Like, it's okay. And that's not failing. That's succeeding. And that needs to be, and I know it is for the three of us anyways, and anybody who we work with here, that's our goal is to, okay, so I'm teaching British literature, I'm teaching civics, I'm teaching history, I'm teaching Christian leadership, I'm teaching engaging our culture, apologetics. Like all of these things need to come together to equip them to succeed. And succeeding is we want to go past not just failing, we want to go towards influencing them. And you know, we rather to have them be influencers for that, so
1: and how to even use their failures because they will have many of them. Absolutely, how to even use that for the glory of God and to look back on their lives and go, "Dang, I learned more by failing, maybe in some cases, than I did by my successes." And I just have to say this because this is echoing in my head. But Stacy, you said at the very beginning of this podcast, you always wanted to be a lifelong student. And I feel like in that moment, you recognize that God's like, I've got some educating. I'm <laughs> going, you will be a lifelong student. Absolutely. And that's what I want to be. That's what I want us all to be. I want my kids to be that way when they leave this school, lifelong students. And it might take stuff like this to do that, but it's worth it.
0: Absolutely. So, Ms. O'Keefe, with what you've gone through, um, are people hesitant to develop deep and I mean, we've talk, we've used the word vulnerability several times here today. Are they hesitant to develop deeper vulnerable relationships with you because of?
3: Um, I don't think so. I think that sometimes people don't know what to say, which is to me, totally normal. Um, and I have no expectations. Like how
0: many times have people said to you, like they, they're afraid to use the word cancer. So they'll be like your sickness.
3: Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's just a normal, um, you know, part of our humanness is Mm. we don't always know what to say. Um, and, but, but I don't think I've experienced people not wanting to have a vulnerable relationship with me because God has just filled me with just so many deep relationships Mm. in my life and, and probably to prepare me for, um, you know, just really needing to lean on people sometimes. Um, and I, I'm blessed to have people that, you know, I can lean into and that can lean on me. And, um, that's a beautiful part of life. Struggles are a beautiful part of life because you just, you learn how to walk through doors with people and they learn how to walk through them with you. And it's like, it's just almost like when you're delivering the news, it's like, okay, well, we're doing this. Um, you have a friend who who's going through a divorce. You have a friend who's having a marital uh, crisis. You have a friend who has a, a sickness. You just learn how to walk through doors with people and um, pray, pray a lot and um, celebrate yeah. together, you know, celebrate victories and cry together when yeah. things are not not going well.
0: Yeah, absolutely cry together. I just want to read. I mentioned a a post I put up on Facebook yesterday, and you, you totally just made me think of it again. And this is why I said church needs to be so much more than religion. Truly, a healthy church is made up of people who cultivate relationships. And of course, I had to add you add food to this cultivation. Now you're really into something pretty cool. But I had now 125 people have responded to that. Six. Of the people that responded to that are co-workers of mine who are not Christians at all. Mm. And they were some of the first ones to respond to that. And I think they're some of the first ones to respond to that because I have I have a number of different theories. But number one is I think they crave these relationships that are not conditional. Mm. So Like, we didn't have, when when Mrs. Maven went through her cancer, we didn't have people who, like, weren't our friends anymore because of that. Quite the contrary. Like, we we had people that were, you know, wanted to be a part of our life for that because they wanted to help. They wanted, and sometimes people don't know what to say. And I have fun with that sometimes. I mean, I kind of like making people feel uncomfortable sometimes. I don't know. Missy agrees that it's one of my spiritual gifts that I like to make people go Now that
1: you're using my classroom, I get to watch it in real time. <laughs> oh, that's right. Students. Mm-hmm. More accountability. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, sorry. But uh, I just think that people, they, they crave these relationships because I think societally speaking, especially now with COVID, yeah. people, they, they are so, it is, a, it is a relationship drought right now, especially if you're controlled by fear so I'm so glad to hear you say that like people haven't like shied away from you like she has like leprosy you know like I don't want to be around her you know that and we've we've interacted over the past few months you know just via text and stuff and I get really cool updates and I get I get updates that you know you're not you you weren't afraid but your texts were hey this is going on can you pray absolutely and yeah you know, I don't
3: want to make it sound like it's just you know, r- roses and and fun. Sometimes, you know, in the midst of your uh, dependence on the Lord, Satan never tires of um, pushing buttons and and whispering um, messages of fear. And sometimes, you know, and I always say, it usually happens when I'm just tired. Yep. Hungry. Yep. Lonely. Yep. And I might just, you know, take a bite of that apple because it just looked good. Right. And I thank God every day that, that he's taught me to reach out. Don't hide it. Mm. Don't say, I'm afraid to tell people I'm afraid. Um, Tell somebody so that they can, you know, pray for you and encourage you. And there's just no better, you know, privilege than when someone says to me, I'm scared. I'm so scared about what's going to happen because I know who to go to to, you know, to pray that fear away, not the circumstance away, but the fear because Mm. that's really what will end up killing us.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's the theme of our chapel year this year, not fear, but you know, because that fear is not from God. No, it's not. It's rooted in untruth and um, it's a control issue. It's a control issue for us. It's a control issue of Satan. Uh, to do that. Ms. Z and I have talked about what um, what would a student look like that has had the opportunity to attend LCS uh, over the course maybe of just their high school career but you know even longer because we've we've got a number of students that have been here you know quite a long time what would you want one of your students to know based on what this picture is in your mind?
3: Well, I know that a lot of schools would say, I, we just want everyone to get a 34 on the ACT, and we want to, get, to get it, be able to get into a, you know, a, a college, a great college, and an, an amazing university. And I, I want those things for my students. I want them to achieve their very best. Um, but if it's an 18 or a 35 or whatever it is, I am super uh, unconcerned about test scores and grades. Um and in my room, you know, the the theme of, of our room is that God cares more about your character than your grades. And so we can get super focused on grades here. You know, we want to get a ninety five so we don't have to take the exam, or we want to get a three point eight so we can get a scholarship, or um but you know, I have to just kind of out myself here. Those things are super low on my priority list. Of course I want my students to be educated, well-educated, and to um, learn the curriculum that, that we present and share together. But my, what I want for them desperately is what God wants for them. I want them to leave equipped and prepared to live a life that glorifies the Lord and brings others to him. And that when things are tough, um, you know, they don't collapse. Um, and when they're on their mountaintops that we, we know it's not us. Yeah. When we're on the mountains, it's not me. I didn't achieve anything. It was, it was God working in my life to give me that mountaintop. And when I'm in the Valley, he is right there and so for me, it might be different, I'm sure, for every staff member. Um, but for me, and I get the opportunity to see these kids after they leave here. Right. And I get to see them um, at their weddings and at their baby showers and at their graduations from college. And I get to share in those joys, but I also get the texts and the emails uh, when things are not going well. And, and I've been able to see that kids do take away from here um, that the Lord is the Lord in in every moment of your life. And I hope that what we live out here just, just points to that throughout their entire life.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Um, And I think what is really cool about this place is that is an expectation like, that's not a byproduct. That's an expectation for we as, uh, you know, teachers here. And I say <clears throat> I say this often in our staff devotional, which I have the privilege of leading. Um, we're all ministers here. Like, that is a role that we fill. We are ministers to these students. It is important that we get through our lessons. I mean, that's by and large why a lot of them are here, um, But so that could be black and white, black and white television show. But what adds color to that is what you were just talking about. And for us to have that opportunity, that privilege, and not only the opportunity, the privilege, but to have the expectation of that, that's like crazy awesome that we have the opportunity to, to be able to do, uh, to be able to do that. Um, what would you want one of your students to know based on what you just said like that picture of them being successful? What would you want what would you want your students to know based on that picture in your mind?
3: I just want them to know that they were uh created for a purpose. And that that's really what success is about it's about seeking the purpose that god has laid out for your life and i know sometimes we can get really concentrated on you know what career what what socioeconomic bracket am i going to land in um and and those are all decisions we have to make but a picture the a picture of a student i'd like to see leave here would be one that just longs to follow a path that God has created just for them, not for the other six kids that sat near them or um, you know what their parents did or what their siblings did, but that they would seek to follow the path that God has individually laid out for them. And there's no other way to do that without completely... Delving into learning what God who who God is and what His character is, and we can't do that in one hour of you know Bible Bible class at school, or you know a five minute devotional when we graduate from LCS and and we're in a different place, but um that they would just long to know the character of God, so that they would know what His purpose is for them.
0: The beauty of what you've just said is. That that cuts across the entire spectrum of every subject that we teach here, because that because of the expect again expectation that we have biblically integrated truth into every subject that we teach here, every subject, and I love the, I love how you tie that in so that whatever God calls them into, because our world is changing, not everybody goes to college, and that's fine. Because it may not be what God has called them into. Maybe God's calling them into the workforce right away. Maybe it is going to be into a trade. Maybe it's going to be into the military. All of these areas need godly influencers. All of these areas need godly leaders. You know who are going to be planting those seeds of the gospel, and can do it in a way that is authentic. Uh, I think authenticity is something that is just really it's really missing in our society today you know i think people want to say things to get that soundbite they want to say it to get above the fold in the newspaper are those still a thing newspapers maybe <laughs> social media whatever you know to get the to get the clicks to get the views but but then you know you come back around and you find out that what they said was completely not true they completely not true so this is the world that, uh, that we're living in, that our students are growing up in, um, and that's noise. So, Ms. O'Keefe, how can we encourage students to cut through the noise of our society? There's a lot of it. How can we encourage them to cut through the noise of our society and culture and, this is a loaded question, and best equip them to be resilient, lasting, since you're an English teacher, I'm putting all these words together, impactful, bold, And multiplying followers of Jesus Christ way past their time with us at LCS.
3: It's just, it's interesting that you asked me that question because we had a recent conversation about this in my English classes. Just, it came up during um, a lesson on, you know, writing a thesis paper. And um, so we were talking about social media and video games and just noise, like you said. And, um, you said, how can I encourage them to, to, you know, get away from the noise? And what I see is that they already are figuring that out. Mm. They're tired of the noise. They're exasperated from the noise and they, they are starting to see that Um, What we once thought was um, something to move us forward and to create relationships and to be close to people has, there's a lot of destruction in that. And um, they've experienced firsthand, you know, all of the things that social media has to offer and a lot of it is just not good. Um, And those aren't my words. Those are their words. Yeah. I just let them sort of talk and interestingly enough, they were just talking about their futures and their kids and how they just do not want their children to have technology <laughs> like they're going back to they they said to me they're getting chapter books in the Meyer cart <laughs> you know because they keep seeing kids at Meyer with you know two years old with tablets and and stuff and um you know it's kind of fallen on them this this issue has fallen on their generation and you know i i my first instinct was to just apologize to them that my generation was unaware Hmm. of what how big this was going to be in their life and what a a choker it was going to be on their self-esteem on their um, ability to to make lasting, strong relationships. Um, but again, I didn't know. Mm. Our generation didn't know. I thought it was appropriate for my 16-year-olds to be able to have social media. And and my husband and I decided 16 was the year that you get uh, social media because you're mature at 16. And, um, you know, even though... There are there are good aspects about social media. I don't want to say I don't use it, and I don't want to say that there aren't some positives. But um, for this generation of young people, there are a lot of negative a lot of negative things that have come out of this, and they're preparing to and, and already working at turning down the noise. Mm. Um, I have students in my Christian leadership classes that have. Um, you know, closed their social media accounts for a time. Uh, They're stepping back um, or they're setting limits on their phone to to acknowledge you've been on social media 60 minutes today. It's Mm -hmm. enough time. And it's not because of my prompting or their parents. They are getting this. And so I have full faith and full confidence that they are being equipped and equipping themselves to, to just to get rid of this noise so that they can begin to um, spend their time uh, growing and in relationships with people in other ways. And I have to say, it's hard when you uh, are used to just texting people. That's how they, that's how they hang out. They text each other at night or on the weekends. They don't even meet up to, you know, go anywhere. That's They're hanging out on house party or uh, and texting, and they're having to relearn. I might have to actually drive over to so-and-so's house <laughs> to spend time together. Yeah. Um, not playing a video game or not. Right. So... But I believe in them. I believe that they have the ability and the tools to do it, and I'm just standing on the sidelines, encouraging them, cheerleading because uh, they are wise and they do know um, that it, that it's too much, too mm-hmm. much noise.
0: Have you guys seen the book uh, movie, Book of Eli? Yes. So, the one of the characters, kind of the, would you call him the antagonist? Probably. He's the only person, well, there's two people that can read in the movie, but the protagonist reads and the antagonist reads and everybody else in this post-apocalyptic, you know, scenario, nobody can read. And it is, it's powerful. Like he's, both of them are in positions of power because they can read. And to hear you say that, you know, we're going to, the students are saying we're going to buy chapter books, you know, like that, I'm super hopeful about that, you know, that this is something that, that they're seeing there's a need for. I think over and over and over again over the past few episodes, we have discerned that we have an imperfect group of students, to be sure. But we have a group of students here who I think in many ways are being trained as leaders. And there's so many aspects of leadership that is woven through much of what we teach. And uh, I think powerfully lived out, Mrs. O'Keefe, is our life experiences. Mrs. you have life experiences as well, not as many because you're younger than us, but the students see these life experiences and they learn from them because we don't hide them. Like it's out there, right? And that's part of how each one of us instruct. So, Many people don't necessarily think in terms of lasting impact, um, and too many of us get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent, especially when it comes to grading. I hate grading. But I guess you have to do that when you're a teacher, so I've been told. When a student leaves the school, though, what do you want them to remember about you as a teacher uh, or a mentor or an influential person?
3: Um, I just, I would like to you know, in a perfect world, I would love for each one of them to just know that they were loved unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are times when, you know, teaching's not always fun, and so there are times when you have to have conversations with students that are difficult, and um, consequences can be t- dealt out, and, and um, you know, and that... and. I do that because God does that with me. And so I know that that's love, but it doesn't always feel that way to students, right? Right. Um, But I want them to remember, if if they were to remember just me, I would want them to know that um, I chose to be here because I love them. Mm. And I love, I, I just love teenagers because they have the energy and the, the desire and um, they're just full of life. And I just want them to keep that. I want them to keep that um, when they leave here and to know that, that I loved them, that I hopefully taught them how to write a proper essay <laughs> and <laughs> that they'll get, you know, a great grade on an essay someday or they'll be able to communicate through their blog or that a that a job or that their boss would comment on their their emails that they send but um, most of all I just want them to know that they are loved unconditionally um, not just by by me but by the Lord Mm. and uh, you mentioned earlier that our students aren't perfect and I surely am not so um, I hope that you know through the challenges of life and through the challenges of our school at times and through um, the years that we've spent together. Most of all, I would just, I'd want them to look back at LCS and say, Mrs. O'Keefe loved me and that, and that um, as for as long as I live, I'd love to get that email, that text, that visit, and I'll be there for the weddings and the births and the the sorrows and the pains because I do love them.
0: Yeah, yeah see it's come to that time in the podcast where I see these two words that sometimes strike fear in you. Final thoughts.
1: Uh Uh, Well, I was really gripped in the middle of your talk about the second uh, diagnosis and when you heard audibly that the Lord said you are well and that hit me hard because I felt that same way uh, several years ago but with regards to my spirit my soul and I also lived with those probably self induced lies that I had to be a good girl do what my parents say in the Bible says and I'll get on just fine in life but when I screwed everything up a million times over then then where did that leave me and to be told in my ear you are well your soul is well, it is well with my soul. <laughs> that hit me hard, and uh, I don't know why. If I've, maybe others got other things from it, but for me, that was the most powerful. And I think it is a good example of that element of grace that we're trying to show in this school and that the Lord has been showing us. So, thank you for that <laughs> for sharing your story. Absolutely.
0: I know that you were really worked up about coming on with us today. <laughs> <laughs> we we've been we've been trying to do this for several weeks, and just a number of circumstances inhibited us from uh, from doing it before now. But I have uh, I have appreciated our relationship. I've appreciated our friendship, um, and it has it's really been interesting how it's been progressive. And it seemed like of all things, and it, it's not a surprise to me given the opportunities that God has given Mrs. Maven and I to deal with cancer. Um, But I think we went to a different level relationally uh, when you got that diagnosis. And I want our students to understand that life is not always going to be easy. And what we offer here by way of teaching them absolute truth based on God's word, by teaching them from certainly a a Judeo-Christian perspective where we're advocating a biblical Christian worldview, um, I want them to understand that even though they have those things, that life can still be hard. And, you know, God doesn't promise us an easy life. And that is so anti-cultural right now, especially in our Western first world country. You know, we're we're already seeing things in this new administration that is is really... It's ushering in change to our country already. And it's change that um, a lot of people are not, they're not equipped for. They're not equipped to handle the changes that are on the horizon because we have worshiped convenience and comfort for so very long. And then here comes along a teacher that has conveyed to her students that you love them, you're concerned about them. And now the perfect life that they maybe saw you in. Has been rocked with the C word again, cancer, and um, they've watched you walk through that. Um, I think you've been very honest about your struggles, you know, with that. But they also have had the opportunity to, in that, to to see your faith grow and not to shrink. And for me, a capstone on that um, came just last week. You got some news last week, and what was that news?
3: Yeah, so uh, we Ryan and I had to travel back to Chicago, which is where I'm being treated for cancer, um, and it was it was a you know four days packed full of appointments and uh, meetings with doctors, as it usually is, um, and it was interesting how leading up to that visit, our prayer was that you know, the tests that I would undergo would show that, that I was improving, Um, that, that the cancer was shrinking, that the the cancer was less. And um, just before uh, we went into a meeting with the doctor the day before, you know, there was some discussion about we might, we may have to do a new biopsy. We have to meet, we may have to do um, another surgery that you'll need to come back for. And I kind of felt like in that moment, I'm kind of done. Like <laughs> I can't come back here in a couple weeks on a Friday to to do a new biopsy. So I, I'll just be completely honest. I just cried out to God that night, please don't make me do that. Hmm. And it was all about whatever the results are tomorrow, we'll, we'll decide whether we have to do this new biopsy. And I just... I just begged him. I said, I I can do this. I can, I can deal with this illness. I can walk with you in this, but I can't come back here in two weeks for this. And, um, just totally honest with him. And I have learned over the years that that's what he wants. So I didn't, I don't feel bad about Really, ever.
0: Jonah, you think that you could hide some stuff from him on that?
3: I don't ever feel bad about saying, really? Yeah. Like, come on, I can't. You know I can't. Um, but if I have to, I will. <laughs> so the next day we woke up early. We had this meeting early with the doctor, and R- Ryan and I were just quiet. You know, there was just a lot of um, quiet prayer and just anticipation. And he was delayed. Our doctor was delayed. And so i are just sitting in that room, and and I, I've got all my notepad, and I've got all my questions ready, like a teacher does, and my pen, my favorite pen. And he comes in, and I'm ready to just machine gun these questions, and he says, you know, the scans are great. And I'm just like, okay, so they're, they're better. Thank you, God. Thank you for answering that prayer that they're better and he said I'm I'm trying what I'm trying to tell you is there's no cancer on the scans and so I am sort of just staring at him then I look over at my husband and he'd be okay with me sharing this he just has tears coming down and I'm thinking why is he crying (laughs) am I supposed to be crying (laughs) like I I just don't even know what to do at that point but I just keep looking at my doctor and he's like, this is really great. This is good. This is not what we expected. You've had a full, what they call digital remission. So there's nothing on any machines that shows I have cancer, which was, you know, pretty, you know, evident before that it was, you know, there was cancer in several places. So we got to have that joyful, you know, moment with the doctor and. Um, just a short discussion about moving forward and, um, but the thing is, is whether he would have said that or whether he would have said it doesn't look different, it still would have been okay. Um, and that's, that's the goal is to be able to hear that and to say, you know what, we're just going to keep walking forward. Mm-hmm. Because I'll do whatever God asked me to do. Yeah. Um, and if he's and, and if the scan doesn't look good, um, that scan's already passed by His eyes. Right. And so what I'm what am I going to argue with Him? Yep. No, I'm not going to. Yep. So I'm glad that He gave me. I'm so blessed that He gave me that mountaintop. Um, but what I want my kids and my husband, my family and my students to know is that even if it's not better. Even if it's the same, it's great because it's God.
0: That gives me goosebumps because I just shared an illustration last week in Chaffel, Um And it was about when Mrs. Maven went in to have her first tumor removed. And I was by myself walking back to the family waiting room. Long story short, I get into the bathroom just to try and cry because I was so just like worked up and... So I had this conversation with God in the mirror. I remember putting hands on the sink, and I was like, okay, God, you told me in 1 Peter 5-7 that if I, like, you care for me so I can cast all my cares on you, they're yours because I can't handle it right now. And at that moment, I had this huge headache. Headache was gone, and I had an incredible sense of peace. And this is what I share with the students. It's exactly what you're saying. The peace wasn't, I'm going to heal your wife. The peace was, it's going to be okay. And that was what the peace was. It's going to be okay. And it may or may not be what I was asking for, but it was exactly what Paul talks about that there's this peace that passes all understanding. And the peace wasn't, okay, you got this Amazon Prime now, you put this order in that you want your wife to be cancer free. No, it was just that it's going to be okay. But praise God that He answered your guys' prayer and so many of our prayers that you would be cancer-free.
3: Yeah, it's a great thing to be able to share with people who pray for you and with you, and um, it's a it's a it's a complete celebration for me every day when my eyes wake up, my eyes open, and I remember that moment, and I'm gonna live my life to the fullest every day because. Um, you know, we see people around us who who aren't sick that that die mm-hmm. unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. There's no warning. There's no, um, you know, pre- preparation. Right. And so um, whether you're sick, not sick, we, there's just no promises. Yeah. So um, I'm just happy to, to get up every day and to live my day and to share it with God. Um, he is my best friend and we share everything together mm. and there's just no better life yeah. than that, regardless of my circumstances.
0: You know, Rush Limbaugh is suffering from lung cancer right now and most likely it's terminal. And he often says every caller that calls in tells Rush that they're praying for him. And he often starts his show by saying, I was just, I was just glad to have air in my lungs this morning and to get up. And that is a really stripped down Appreciation of reality. You know, we talked about noise, and there's a lot. There's a lot of noise around, but to have it down to life and death—that's incredible. Well, thank you for spending time with us today. Uh, this is was a much anticipated uh, conversation that that we wanted to have, only because we saw the power of it. Um, and all this is is putting into words what we see lived out by you every single day here. When we pass you in the hallways of this massive building, it's not really that massive, but we do pass you in the hallways. And uh, thank you for your thank you for your faithful impact on these students. Uh, I think that you know, slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. It's not these flashes in the pan. It's a marathon, and thirteen years of impacting students with, I mean, who I'm, God knows how many more. This might be your last year, might not be, and we might have another thirteen years with you. But uh, for every moment that we have with you, that the students have with you, I'm grateful for that because of your godly influence on them. So, well,
3: just anyone that gets this opportunity is blessed. Um, you know, I could never have imagined what agreeing to teach one year would bring <laughs> to my life, and it was an—it's just an absolute blessing. It's not—it's it's not a chore it's not um a sacrifice people say oh you sacrifice so much to be a christian teacher christian school teacher because i think they're talking about money sure sure but um to me it's not a sacrifice it's a joy absolutely
0: every single day we have the chance to do it